for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it well anthony welcome man we're really excited to have you or are we live yes well that's no, no, yeah. not live but we're recording <laughs> Well, it's very good to be with the reality czars because I was um, belled in some events as master of time, space, and the universe. So here we have the two czars of reality in addition to the master of time, space, and the universe, and no one knows what the fuck is going to happen. The world could bend in on itself in a puff of logic or illogic. It's doing it right now, man. It's nuts. <laughs> it's like some crazy interdimensional space vortex. And Dude, I've, hunt, I've been on the hunt for Bigfoot. I'm out in the middle of nowhere up in Washington right now, and I'm pretty sure Bigfoot is interdimensional. If he's out here. <laughs> he steps in and out of reality, but only for those true heart and willing and willing that's why they can never pin him down or find him because <clears throat> if people just want to prove that he just folds space and steps out into another dimension. So stop trying to put Bigfoot in a box, people. Stop trying to prove yeah. that inconclusively because if the mystery dies, then so does the joy in the heart of those willing seekers, those of faith. Dude, that is really true. If we proved Bigfoot existed and then we just had him here, the mystery would be over. That, like, what what fun would that be? I mean, maybe a new mystery would begin, I guess. But but just no, think, I like the just think of the things they do. They capture Bigfoot. They put him in a zoo. They inject him with all sorts of crap. They do experiments on him. I mean, who wants that? That would be. They would definitely cool. give him. Yeah, they would definitely give him the Ronavax for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, you never know what the side effects of that was going to be. Before long, he'll be known as Smallfoot. Yeah. <laughs> it will be the legend of Smallfoot. So what's the difference between Bigfoot and Sasquatch? So I tend to think nothing. I think it's just different geological or uh, geographical locations and just different cultures, myths and things. But I think, I think they're the same thing. But is he reputed to be in Washington state? Is that what you're telling me? He's supposed to be up here. Yeah. In the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Mm. So which one, I guess, I, I think they're the same one. I think Sasquatch and Bigfoot are definitely both out here. I, I think Sasquatch is the Northwest version of the Bigfoot. Yeah, and the Yeti is out in, what, That's Nepal? That's tundra, yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. In the is Himalayas. The, is the Yeti also called the Abominable Snowman? Probably. I imagine that's what he looks like. What's so abominable about him? I mean, that's... It's just, slander. It's, it's, yeah, sl- it's, <laughs> it's not like he can come out of hiding and defend himself and say, this isn't fair, I'm not abominable. However, abominable snowmen talk. I don't know. He might be really Okay. <laughs> so when did this become a trend across 
libertarian podcast to start <laughs> to talk about Bigfoot and crypto. <laughs> Is this because of the guys at Timeline Earth, formerly Fagcast? Did they? Start, I don't did they, know. Did they start it, or was it already a thing? Well, we're in the Pacific Northwest, and we're already on a conspiracy bent. Like our podcast is half conspiracy, half like libertarian theory and whatever else. But uh, I don't know, man. I, we're having uh, Aaron on tomorrow, which I'm pretty excited about. Is he into conspiracies? I don't know. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> Aaron's got interesting views. Yeah, Aaron's an interesting cat, man. I'm pretty excited to talk to him. I met him at Porkfest. It was one of the least worst things to happen at Porkfest. Nice. <laughs> How the are you feeling? Huh? How are you feeling, brother? Yeah, I'm feeling okay. As you can hear, my voice sounds a little bit scratchy, but um, I'm fine. Good. How was Porkfest? <laughs> it sounds shitty. Well, the first two days were great. Then I got sick, and then the rest of it kind of sucked. Well, I might as well have just come for two days and then left. All the good stuff happened in the first two days. I met David Friedman and had a great chat with him. I uh, met Aaron. I met Bellamy Fitzpatrick, the Green Anarchist. I saw Pete Sinones. And then I, then I guess in the last few days I managed to sell some books, which is always welcome because traveling the USA is expensive. So when you can sign and sell some books, it does actually make going to these things easier. But I can't remember, well, I can't remember that much of great stuff happening after I got sick. So um, unfortunately... It wasn't the best festival I've been to. Yeah. Dude, Bellamy Fitzpatrick is a really interesting cat. I would love to talk to him. I'll probably reach out to him at some point. He's an interesting dude. He is. He's got he's got good vibes as well. He puts out a good vibe. I enjoyed speaking to him. Um, I love his perspective on things. Like I, like he definitely comes from this from a completely different angle. But, uh, and I love the idea of permaculture. And uh, yeah, he's just an interesting dude. Yeah, he's an interesting cat. I'd actually like to have a recorded conversation with him as well at some point in the future. So I didn't even realize that you were at Squatch Fest this year, man. I totally missed you somehow. Yeah, unfortunately, I was only there for the first night and and day and a day, and I think it came a night early, so I was there for two nights, and unfortunately, I had to go really early the next day because there was the big Mises Caucus event in Pittsburgh, and I was invited to speak as that. As it so happens, I was invited to speak the second day, so I could have, I guess... Um, skipped the first day of that, but my travel plans were made when I got the invitation. Like, <clears throat> I guess if I could, you could have been really crazy and I could have gone to the first day of Squatch Fest, then gone to Orlando to go to Tom Woods' big birthday party, then go back up to Pittsburgh to speak, but that might have done near killed me, so. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a lot. 
it would also would have been freaking awesome. But that's true. Anyway, the big boys, they put the big boys were on in the first day. Uh, we had um, Dave Smith and Scott Harrison and the real big celebrities speaking the first day. I guess. The second day, it was me, Michael Richenwald, and Jeff Deist, which I think is also quite a tasty lineup. But, yeah. But for some reason, everyone wants to see this guy, Dave Smith, and this guy that only <laughs> all, all talks about the bomb, bombing and stuff like that. You know, apparently those are hot topics these days, so <laughs> cannot, cannot compete with that. It was a good turnout both nights, but I think probably a better turnout the first night. Okay. I mean, I think what Dave Smith is kind of like the libertarian libertarian Elvis at this point, dude. Like, fucking everybody loves Dave Smith or hates him. I don't know. <laughs> He's at the top of the food chain. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he is the reason that I became an anarchist. Actually, uh, yeah. Well, he good, brought me about work, the libertarian. Good work, Dave. Yeah. Dude, uh, this was probably back in 2015 listening to him on Ari Shafir's podcast. Uh, I used to just listen to him at, on the Legion of Skanks just being a dirty uh, comedian. And then he uh, just really opened my eyes to libertarianism. And uh, so I got to thank Dave Smith for that. Yeah, he's brought a lot of people in. I don't listen to his show very often myself because I'm not really that interested in current affairs as much as... Um, philosophy and economics and stuff like that. But if he runs for president, I definitely endorse him. Yeah, I think I do too. And the only reason why I wouldn't is like, I've been one of those annoying autistic, like, like voluntarists that have been like anti-political for the last few years that like, you don't vote voting is violence kind of thing. And, uh, I am just now on an intellectual journey on whether or not I would vote, which yes. is silly. But <laughs> I think um, Walter Block's argument's pretty good. Like, if you're in a prison and you've got two wardens, one's Officer Goody, he'll beat you once a week, and one's Officer Baddy, he'll beat you every day, and you get to vote between them, you're not really breaking a principle by voter for voting for Officer Goody. The reason, I guess, I don't always vote in the UK, but if I do, I, it's just by post, because um, it doesn't take me much. And I will vote for the Scottish Libertarian Party just to register a Libertarian vote, also because I'm a member of the party. I think it's good to support one way or the other, like, as long as it's not like you have to go out to the polls and stand in a queue standing in a line for like four or five hours, like I don't think that's a good use of your time. You'd be better posting memes for four and four or five hours. You probably have more of an effect on the culture. Yeah, definitely. But, but if it's not a huge inconvenience to you, then then I think to support the most libertarian candidate on the ballot is just a way of kind of helping to get the word out yeah i yeah i think you're right man and dave really has brought i can't think of anybody else besides maybe like tom woods and maybe ron paul have brought more people into libertarianism um 
So, what I mean, he's doing God has done is made people incredibly educated. I think the great thing about Tom Woods is he's got such an archive of shows that most of the objections towards libertarianism have all been addressed on his show at some point or another. So there's an archive there. And I discovered so many libertarian thinkers through his show that have helped me when I'm writing, when I'm doing research and things like that, to, to know the landscape, to know where you can find the relevant information. Because there's no, really, there's no real need to reinvent the wheel here. If you come up against an objection that's been handled before by someone smart, then you know, use the archive. That's what I'm kind of thinking myself, like, in terms of what what niche I could fill that hasn't been addressed already by the movement so that, you know, you can be useful. But I think, sorry, I did interrupt you. I just think that having a good knowledge of where to find what objection, where, what answer is pretty, is pretty useful in itself. Like, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Tom Woods is definitely like just, uh, dude, he's a treasure trove. Uh, he definitely, so listening to Dave, he turned me on to Jason Stapleton and to Tom Woods. And from there, like Tom Woods definitely helped me uh, like nail down anarchism, I guess, and like really brought it about in a palatable, acceptable, like intellectual way that I was able to like understand more. Like, so Tom Woods is fucking, he's the goat, man. He's the greatest of all time, for sure. Right. Yeah. And obviously, Anthony Samroff would be barely known in the world if not <laughs> for the great Tom Woods. So he's done a well, great that, yeah, that's where I originally heard you. Yeah, I definitely. The first time I heard you was on Tom Woods' show. Yeah, and that's true of most of the people who know that I exist. Um. I mean, some people hear, heard me on Lines of Liberty or Pete Quinones or some other obscure show, but most people have familiarized themselves with me through Tom Woods, so he's a great benefactor. Um, I, I had another thing to say, but I forgot, so... You, <laughs> That's okay. Just, just that you came from a completely different... You came from a completely different path than me, so that's quite interesting because I didn't come in through people like David Smith and Jason Stapleton. I guess they weren't even around when I came in to the movement. So, well, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I'd love to hear that story, man. How did you become a libertarian? Oh no, not this again. I've spoken about <laughs> it on so many podcasts. Oh my bad. <laughs> uh, so sorry, hard pass on that question. Okay, okay, perfect. Um, my other question is, why do you hate tacos so much, Anthony? Oh, man. <laughs> now, this is one that I can't get enough of. I think I've been very clear on why I don't like tacos. Well, do you know what? Don't like is strong. I I, I wouldn't say that I dis... I, I mean, I'll eat a taco. And by the way, the corn ones that are crunchy are way better than the fucking flat corn discs or wheat discs. I know this is contrary. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why anyone would prefer a small wheat or corn-based disc to something <laughs> crunchy with rice and, like, bean chili in it. 
that's like nice and crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside so that you get that mix of textures and you get the satisfying crunch. But it seems to me that in the USA, most people prefer the soft tacos, which in itself is just insane. But <laughs> You're speaking heresy right now, just so I, you know. <laughs> well, it's fine, but you're weird. Like, why, why would you prefer this, like, floppy little disc that's, like, slightly moist and, like, flaps out? Like, so I think it's really funny because I'm holding my I'm speaking to you on radio. No one can see me, and yet I've got my hand held in front of me as though I'm demonstrating that I had a... <laughs> I'm miming that I have a taco in my hand. So, <laughs> tacos, first of all, the disc is too small. The disc is, like, slightly too small. So, if you try and hold... There's not enough room for fillings, and if you have fillings, they'll, like, fall out very plausibly and that's annoying it's like can they not just increase the diameter of it by like half an inch and then they try and solve this problem by giving you two discs that are slightly overlapping and and that doesn't really that just means that there's twice as much gluten and glyphosate in the fucking dish so you don't really need all that fucking roundup and you don't need the damage to your digestive system. Uh, the wheat that they use is not the same as the one that uh, existed 100 years ago. It's got much more gluten in it because they fucking genetically modified it. And it's really all about the fillings, isn't it? The fucking disc. The disc is just there to hold the filling. Like, it's, it's like filler, and it's not very good filler. And ultimately, tacos are just so fucking inferior to other cuisines like they're 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 not as good as thai food they're not as good as indian food they're not as good as like mediterranean food they're not as good as greek food so while tacos are almost invariably disappointing like sometimes you can go and get a taco and you'll be like yeah that was all right you know fill the space but very rarely do you get a taco and you're like fuck this is some like amazing shit but if you go to a really good Thai <laughs> restaurant you know you might have your mind blown so given that the fillings are inferior why you know the like the 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 famous book why not socialism it's like I should just transcribe this and make it into a booklet called why tacos like why 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 go to a taco when there's a nice fucking noodle bar just next door and you can get like fucking vermicelli with like tofu or what if you don't like tofu whatever you fucking do like with some spring onions i know you don't call them spring onions here you've got other words for them it's nice it's spicy it makes you fake like like why would you settle why like what is the american fascination with tacos so I took a long time to explain this because I know that people want the full story and you, you're more than welcome to excerpt my rant on why tacos are an inferior food and Americans shouldn't be obsessed with them. Put it on you, excerpt it, put it on YouTube, circulate it on Twitter, make it viral, and then people will know once and for all 
what's wrong with tacos, and maybe they will upgrade their palate. <laughs> right now, someone is thinking about starting the taco truck business, and they're just like, you just ruined it. <laughs> well, maybe he saved his life, man. Now he's well, open well, up a, a single solitary tear has left the Mexican's eye. And you know what? The funny thing about this taco thing is, like, every time I it comes up, people are like, "Fucking, oh, you just not tried good tacos. Oh, you should come to the taco place near my house. It will change your mind." I'm like, see if I was near your house, why the fuck would you take me out for tacos rather than like all the other food that I've just said is better than tacos? That's just sadistic. Secondly, you do realize I've been to like fucking 14, 15 states, right? I've tried tacos in a lot of places. In fact, I've been in Mexico for two months. Imagine that. I was in Mexico for two months and I had tacos there in Mexico. So, um, yeah, (laughs) it's not because I've just not tried your super amazing tacos. It's because tacos are an inferior cuisine, Okay. Was this the this is the reason why you got me on the show, isn't it? It was the gotcha interview. It's the one that's gonna it's the one that's gonna get me cancelled. <laughs> that's hilarious, man. This is actually our first conversation on Twitter was about tacos. <laughs> but do you accept do you accept that it is a death? I mean I well, don't know I- what I don't know what I would lose my picture, Grant, man. This created, <laughs> this created a big controversy on Twitter when I said that tacos are death. But they're like, as my friend Spike Cohen said, to drop another name. I mean, the the thing is blatantly shaped like a desk. It, the thing is literally <laughs> shaped as a desk. Uh, why did anyone object to that? Plus. First of all, referring to tacos as desks is one, astute, well observed, and two, hilarious. <laughs> because and not only hilarious, but it's funny because it's true. It's true. <laughs> They're soggy, meaty discs. I like They're them. Just, I me too. <laughs> I'm a beaner though, and I grew up eating them so. I would lose my beaner card right now if I were to say that tacos are overrated, but... <laughs> You're going to eat the taco I'd... in front of me and the rice is nice and the right consistency. And it's... Also, do you know what? The thing is, Mexican, like, you can have a good Mexican, you can have a nice burrito, but I just think in general it's not that... And, like, what is with the refried beans? I mean, come on. Like, refried... Like, can you not just give me actual beans? Like, <laughs> why do you really have to refry them? It's kind of gross. You've got a weird consistency. And it's just like, it's like, it's just, it's like, it's, it's like, it's like, it looks like dog puke, right? Can anyone do See, you're laughing, you're laughing because it's a lack of recognition that what I say is true. It is a salty pile of goo on your plate. And then you put a bunch of cheese on it. And then you mix your rice in it. And you use those tortillas to sop it all up with some salsa. Yeah, but wouldn't it, you uh, rather have the actual pinto beans? Or like maybe no, some- I actually like the goo more. 
you like the game like, more. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you have a right to be wrong. <laughs> I just like I like I like beans. I guess you know. I <laughs> I hear they're a good source of protein, um, and that certain cultures that eat a lot of beans tend to live longer. There's um, so I'm pro bean. Okay. But I just I just don't think that Mexican is is as good as other cuisines, specifically tacos. Like burritos and enchiladas and whatnot are not as bad as tacos, but they're still not necessarily as good as other cuisines. Where do you fall on tamales? You know, I've had tamales before. They're like uh, uh, I had them in Mexico. I felt they were quite bland. I have to be honest. Do you know how many Mexicans you're infuriating right now? <laughs> I don't know. It depends how big. I don't know how big your show is. You know what? I don't know how many Mexicans listen to our show either. I think all libertarians are <laughs> about white. I'm the darkest. It's like it's me and uh, Eric July are the only minorities in the libertarian community. <laughs> and where did you grow up? I grew up in California. I actually grew up in uh, Eureka, California on the coast. Uh, Humboldt County, the big pot growing central. So, of course. Uh, the best thing about Mexican cuisine, obviously, is guacamole. Mm-hmm. And, and they do have nice salsas as well. It's not all bad. There's some good stuff coming out there. It's just, I just don't get the taco obsession. Like, <laughs> it's just. Well, you're gonna be you're gonna be in LA tomorrow, right? Oh, that's true. I am gonna be in LA. See me. There's gonna be if you're gonna get good tacos, you can find them in LA. F, you're going to get good tacos, and that is a big F. And so is the good tacos part. That's also a big F. (laughs) You might get acceptable tacos. You might get. Do you know what? I think the taco chat has probably ran its course. I think we can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. People are going to get frustrated just the fact that the whole show is about tacos. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing in LA, man? I'm speaking at something at the Reason Foundation that um, Angela and Cardle kindly invited me to speak at when we were in Florida. I think they had a dropout, but I think the dropout was Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center. So I do think I'm maybe a little bit of a downgrade. Guess. No, Michael Bolden's awesome, though. Yeah, he's awesome, and he's done a lot more practical stuff to preserve liberty than I have. But then you can get Michael Bolden anytime, whereas I'm only in the USA for a limited period. So get it while it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you've been here for a minute, huh? How long have you been out here? How long? So, how long have I been out here? Yeah. Well, I left Scotland in October. I had to get three and a half weeks in Mexico. Well, it was a minimum of two weeks before I got in to the USA because the crazy COVID regulations say you're not allowed to enter the USA directly from the UK, but you are allowed to enter directly from Mexico. 
I can't see any reason why you'd sooner get COVID in Mex in the UK than Mexico. But those are the silly rules, so I had to follow them. Yeah, if you're gonna get sick somewhere, it's gonna be in Mexico. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you're gonna fucking tequila or get like mixed up in all sorts of crazy adventures, um drugs, fireworks, hookers, next thing you know. Actually, you're most likely to get COVID at Port Fest. It's official. So they should put um, New Hampshire under quarantine. That is interesting. Yeah, you went, you went all over Mexico, and then you ended up getting COVID in Port Fest. That's bizarre. Yeah, allegedly, I got. Allegedly. 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 <sighs> well, it, I mean, I heard Mexico doesn't even have that much COVID right now. With their, with their um, giving people proper medicine and stuff. What's proper medicine? Like, they're, like they're more open to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and stuff like that. That's what I've heard. I don't know. I'm not down there, so. Well, Mexico's interesting, man. It's a free market down there in a lot of different ways. Like, every well, every, on every single street corner, you're going to find somebody hustling and they have their own store that's, like, in their house, which I think is cool. But, like, also... Any drug you're looking for, you just go down to the pharmacy and ask them. You can go get opium right now. Like, Mexico is cool as shit. Like, my my aunt would go down to Mexico to get dental work done, and they would uh, pump her full of cocaine <laughs> instead of Novocaine, like, to numb her face and things. And Yeah. It, Mexico's great. I just, <laughs> I love it. It's closer to Encampasad. There's more freedom in Mexico than there is in America. It also depends whereabouts you are in Mexico. Some places will be more, the police will get more involved than others. Yeah, the cops are crazy too, though. Yeah, so like you just have to have bribe money ready and you got to have like, it. it's just an interesting place, dude. It's the Wild West. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I mean, my friends, when they would drive through Mexico, they would just have stacks of money ready for when they got pulled over because they're white and they just like, okay, here's some pesos. And then the cop be like, okay, you can go. Yeah, it's basically at least, um, at least they're, they're honest about it. Here the state tries to hide the fact that they're a bunch of gangsters. But yeah. in certain countries, you know what's up. You know, I remember Jeff Berwick talking many years ago and one of the things he said is, you know, America's thought to be the free country, but there's some places like in Colombia and stuff like that where if you want to start a bar, you just rent a space, buy some bot bottles of liquor and start pouring it. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, that's what I thought was really cool about Mexico is like, dude, I, I literally could just be walking down a neighborhood and then there's a lady trying to sell me beer. And I'm like, it's hot. It's a nice day. Sure. I give her a couple pesos. She gives me a Corona and I keep going. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it is a weird open free market over there. I'm sure if you're like having an actual business, there's a bunch of regulations. I've heard like government sucks everywhere. But like for the individual, there's a lot more freedom. That should be the tagline of the reality stars podcast. <laughs> government sucks everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> so, Anthony, you want to talk about your book? 
Tony, is there a huge plane flying over trouble. I was having a little bit of trouble on muting my mic there. Um, oh. Well, so, so yeah, and I think it's a thing that Americans don't realize how rich they would be if not for all these government interventions. There's so many layers to, like, even simple things like the hoops that people need to jump through to employ someone or the regulations that businesses need to follow because there's an accumulating effect where it's the business that manufactures the product, then it's the owner of the warehouse, then it's the trucking company that gets it to the store, then it's the store. And all of these companies need to comply with these regulations. They need to account for that, it costs them money, and that's reflected in the, pro the price of the product at the end of the day when you buy it. So we have like no idea how how much less the stuff in the shops would cost if it wasn't for all these regulations. Add to that the fact that um, you, you all those people who are employed to help businesses conform to regulations, lawyers, accountants, actuaries, blah blah blah. Uh, all the government bureaucrats, if they weren't doing that, they'd have to get a job doing something productive, which means there'd be more products and services on the market. And by the law of supply and demand, if there's more supply, if there's more stuff, the stuff becomes cheaper. So it's like, then you add all the fucking mandatory employer contributions to insurance, uh, health insurance, which drives the price of health insurance through the roof because it's mandated and there's a restriction in competition, like, you, people just don't realise how rich they would be without all this crap. And that's what really frustrates me. And I also think that libertarians should talk about it more because people care about stuff like poverty, or at least they can, they claim to, and it's not necessarily censored the bullseye when we're speaking. Yeah, it's interesting, man. And it's it's how do you how do you get that message out to people and how do you get them to listen? You know, because I mean, people absorb things a little bite size information, you know, like uh, people's attention span is like that of a gnat. I mean, even myself, I have ADHD, like an insane person. Uh, and it's it's hard to get people to sit down and like actually pay attention to things. They just see that things are expensive and they see that they want their insurance. Right. And they yeah, they they mistake this bureaucratic state as something that's benefiting them and helping them because they want these regulations, because without them, wouldn't they just sell us poison, you know, and things like that. And people might, people might agree. If you explain a lot, people might agree and go, yeah, 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 that's terrible. Even if they're liberals and lefties, they might go, yeah, 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 that's terrible. But, but the thing is, A, they don't usually then embrace the libertarian position. And B, what the fuck can they do about it? <laughs> anyway, are they going to go out and vote? Like, I mean, it's kind of frustrating when you see that even if you kind of ideologically challenge people, and they can take on some of what you say and you can see the logic of it. it it's like, it doesn't really... First of all, they're not going to start raving about it on Facebook, very likely. 
Um, but even if they did, it's like, watch the end gate go here. This is the thing. It's very difficult to change the government, but on the mo- and people don't, I guess, put two and two together and see. Well, here's the great thing about the market. If you don't like the product, you just don't bloody buy it. You buy something else instead. You don't have to convince everyone that you're right, that the product's bad. You don't have to form a focus group or a committee or a think tank or anything. You just don't buy the product. You buy something that you do like. Whereas with the government, we don't really have that option because you've bought it already. Yeah. People are just so insanely ignorant when it comes to money. And I think that it's on purpose. Like, like the way that we're indoctrinated in schools and things, it pays for, you know, it's, it benefits them to keep us ignorant. Like I saw an article the other day that was saying, Hey, the, the hidden silver lining to inflation, it says wages rise. And you're like, that's the silver lining. Like, okay. (laughs) Like people are so stupid and people are excited about that. Now they're like, okay, well, things are going to get more expensive, but at least my check's going to go up. Right. uh, You don't see how that is like, or uh, would you pay more taxes for free healthcare? You're like, uh, that's how does that work? You know, (laughs) people are just so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought you put I thought you put it really good when you asked the question of what's the most expensive thing that everyone buys and it's government. And right. I thought that was a really good framing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, you say, like, what's the most expensive thing that you'll ever buy in your life? Most people say a house, but actually, it's government. Most people spend 20 to 25 years working to pay. That's that's about their taxes. Yeah, it's wild, man. Yeah, just a bureaucratic state. And like you said, we're paying these bureaucrats to not do something productive. They're just a parasitic class. They literally get and then it's funny, they get taxed on their on their money that was taxed. You know, it they're ta- it's just it's nutty, man. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Nothing as a granola bar. Well, and also it's counterproductive in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of the so, so many people that would go in and actually like have a passion to make the world better in some way, and they go into some government program where their efforts and energies are just put in this like cul-de-sac that doesn't go anywhere. And I think that's also something we should talk about too. It's not just like we're being taxed, but we're we're paying for something that's actually like we're paying for our own poison. Yeah, there's a huge intellectual drain of people that just go into government and then just nothing. Like, what do they do? You know, it's a giant brain drain, I guess, huh? People that should be in the public sector or the, yeah, in the private sector end up in the public sector. You think how, um, like, how much stuff would be be producing that we're not? Um, Uh, and it, it's hard to get this point across to people, I suppose, like, that it's a double-edged sword. But the thing is, as people become more wealthy, they become more tolerant for a greater percentage of their income to be taxed. So when everyone was impoverished, 
a 20% tax would be the difference between their children starving or not. So they absolutely would not accept that. But now that people can afford it, they'll accept taxes when you probably add everything in. If you've got decent income, you're probably paying more than 50% of what you earn in tax when you count them all up, including the sales tax and everything. But, but, yeah, it's but true. It, but, but people are tolerant for it. So now that the government has those resources, the sensible thing for the government to do from the government's position is to use those accumulated resources to employ as many people as possible because anyone who's employed by the government is almost certainly going to be in favor of the institution of government. Yeah, no, 100% for sure. And yeah, so I mean, I think about that too, just the indoctrination that we get where we send all of our kids to public schools and all of the teachers are... Are, they're public servants, right? They're all, they're all paid off the public dollar. And so why would they ever teach kids about, you know, the free market or small government or, you know, any of those different things? Like all of those, like we will automatically be um, it kind of brainwashed into government is good because look at this, you know, and our teachers are going to teach us that. And, and I, I grew up poor, like real poor. So I grew up like on the welfare system. I grew up eating like, you know, government cheese. That's what we called it. They give us blocks of Velveeta and it says government cheese on it. It's disgusting. And it's kind of good too, actually. Uh, but so you get indoctrinated, right? And so it's like in their, it's in their favor, actually, to indoctrinate you. And I remember they would actually fight. Um, like when my mom, my mom worked her ass off. She was a single mom. And she went to college and she got a teaching credential, actually. So then she went and became a teacher and she fought to get off of welfare and they fought her. They didn't want her to get off. They wanted to keep her on different programs because like also the more people that they have in the program, that's job security. That is like they need you to be poor. They need you to need them. You know, it's this weird incentivization. Like, you know, it's it's gross. Yeah, it's really weird because the end of poverty is the end of the state, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, we can afford to send our kids to private schools, so we don't need the state for that. Oh, we can afford our own health care, so we don't need the state for that. No one's going to go into the military. Well, maybe some people will, but without the bribe of being like, hey, we'll give you a free education if you come to the military. Um, I'm sorry, I can afford my own education. I don't need yeah. to risk my life just so that I can get... You know, they bribe people. Crime yeah, will go, crime will go down. That are self-reliant. Yeah, people that are self-reliant are hard to control, right? Because we don't need you. We yeah. can walk away. I heard the it's argument it's that if you get a public... Oh, I was going to say, like, I heard the argument that if you get a government paycheck, you shouldn't be allowed to vote just for a conflict of interest. Like, a that, that's all, vote from one. Yeah, that much to me is obvious. Like, that's an obvious conflict of interest if you're not a net. But, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone should really be voting. Um, they always set up this thing where, oh, if you're not for democracy, then you must be for dictatorship. But in the real world, the choice isn't between democracy and dictatorship. 
the choices between something being decided democratically or being left to the market. That's the real alternative. So it's weird. But yeah, I mean, the... Sorry, you were saying about the education system. It's so far gone. You know, most people's narrative is, oh, we had this, uh, you know, the Charles Dickens books during the Industrial Revolution where, oh, everyone was working in a factory and was poor and their story is the government came in and regulated that out of existence. Well, I mean, come on. The government doesn't have a magic wand. The reason that system came to an end was because people became more wealthy because of all the productivity from the machines. So it was easier to afford to pay people a dignified wage. And then people got so rich that they didn't have to send their kids to work in factories because they could earn enough money themselves working. Yeah. That they could send, that they had so much overplus of money they could send their kids to school. So we're told that government solved those problems when really it was capitalism. Dude, 100%. 100%. I hear that all the time from like left leaning people that will try to say that it was the unions and it was the government that ended child labor and all these different things. And it was like, no, I mean, because what, what happens right now if I went to like Myanmar and I passed a law that said there's no child labor now? People are either going to starve to death or those kids are going to be sex trafficked. Like we haven't solved the underlying issue, which is the poverty. Yeah, which is um, the low mo- marginal productivity of labor. And people don't realize how hard it is to start a business in many of these poor countries like Myanmar. I don't know if Myanmar specifically, but in some countries it could take one to three years to get a license to open up a business or if you do open up a business you never know if the cops are going to come in and shut it down so if these countries were more free market then more businesses would set up there and the wages would go up a lot quicker because of the competition of having more employers if there's a small number of employers then um people need to work on whatever conditions that they can get because that, you know, it's basic supply and demand. There's not very many jobs to go around because there's a limited number of employers and they have to accept worse conditions. So even we're told that, oh, it's the excess of capitalism creating poor conditions in third world countries, whereas actually it's the absence of a free market, it's the absence of capitalism, which is sustaining the poverty there yeah yeah well i can give you an example i have a friend that uh, he's a pastor and he lives in tanzania and he's he was telling me that like he's he's so what he's trying to do is he's trying to start businesses with with the people there like so there's like a lot of like uh single mothers so he started like a coffee roasting company down there and and put all these ladies to work and now they're working and running the business and they're making a profit and things but he's saying like the hoops that they have to jump through are so insane like the business regulations and the taxes are so high and uh he's an interesting cat he's actually a libertarian too he was he came over here uh last year and we had a conversation and we were discussing uh different 
ways that like agorism is actually uh, saving lives over there mm. where he's like just using the black market. And he's like, yeah, we're just, you know, we, we started the first couple businesses legitly. And like, then we realized we literally could not make a profit doing it. We would actually lose money. So we're just doing everything we can. He goes like, yep, this is all just a uh, uh, yeah. shout out to, to Konkin. We're, we're going to make this happen. Yeah. It's, it's, funny because Tanzania is one of the less bad African nations. They've had quite a lot of growth. You know, countries like Ghana, Botswana, um, even, you know, Ethiopia had periodic famines right yeah. up until the 90s. And we've not heard of a famine in Ethiopia in the thir last 30 years because they abandoned socialism and they became more free market. So, so Tanzania is like, that's one of the least worst African countries. Most places it's worse than there. Um, they, they, it's quite interesting because you go, what will it take to make people see that markets enrich the poor? Like, you, you had Chile, which is the least poor country in South America because they went more free market. You have Estonia, which is the least impoverished country of the former Soviet bloc colonies because they went more free market. Like, you have the African examples of, like, say, um, Ghana and Botswana that are more free market than the rest of our Africa, and they've done better. Obviously, Singapore and Hong Kong were as impoverished as Africa was and in 30 years became extraordinarily wealthy because they became two of the most free market countries in the world. And you look at that and go, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for people to see that this is an obvious trend? So do you think that there's a conspiracy to keep that, like, or is this just like communist indoctrination? Or, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought that most of what we see going on in the world is easily explainable by economic incentives. Like, government does more or less what it's economically incentivized to do, um, which is tax as much as people are willing to tolerate and use that money to buy allies, which is, you know, the more people they put in the public sector, or the more people they have on welfare, or the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they can print money to spend money to bribe people uh, and kick the can down the road. That is what governments are economically incentivized to do anyway. So I thought that explained most of what goes on in the world. However, after this corona bullshit of the yep. last 16 months, I'm more open to the idea of a globally orchestrated conspiracy. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's just funny how they all just fell in line and it, and it went against all of what would be, you'd think their best interests as far as like, but it, it really wasn't right. It was just against the people's best, best interests. Like I have friends that their business is closed and they'll never open again. Yes. You man. know, and, I've got and it was that is like fucking ruined by all this shit. Um, yeah, he, he had all these. He's been made insolvent. 
It's uh, it's it's a really fucked up thing, man. And so it was it was artificially done. Everyone was literally forced to close their businesses, and then the government comes in and swoops in and says, "Hey, we'll give you checks." And it, there's no way you can convince me that this wasn't done on purpose to just make more people more desperate and more needy and more dependent on government. That's what they wanted. And what they needed. But do they want, I mean, like, look, they must know that there's not an infinite amount of money they can print before the money becomes toilet paper. So what, do they want to crash the global economy? Yes, okay. they do. I really think they do. I mean, that's really what the Great Reset is all about, right? When you listen to that old, like, dollar store version of Dr. Evil and uh, uh, Klaus Schwab, mm. you know? Uh, I really do think that that's what they want to do. They're trying to crash this global economy. They're trying to wreck it completely so that they can like institute what the digi dollar. I mean, that's what they've been working on and talking about for a long time. Uh, Why do they talk about it publicly then? You know, it's this weird thing where they, they don't hide things, man. They put it out there. Like if you pay attention to the world economic forum, they Klaus Schwab is telling you exactly what he's going to do. Like, like look into, uh, like, uh, what the heck is it called? Something, uh, 2030. What am I talking? Oh, the, the 2030 agenda or whatever. Like you can look that up right now and he'll tell you, like he has like, uh, powerpoints he's like okay then we're gonna do this then we're gonna do this then we're gonna do this and you're like holy shit why does no one pay attention to this because they're like watching porn they're on Pornhub and like doing all kinds of dumb things like <laughs> people are just so stupid they're watching like i don't know like america's top model or something on television and just like got the right to do that that's fine it's just the fact that they want to take us with them and it's like where do we go i i you know, I wish that I could just. You take for that you don't realize what you take for granted. Like, I could have, I would have liked to just go home for two weeks, right? But that, that's not an option because to go home for two weeks, I might need to do some quarantine, and then to get back into the USA, I need to go to Mexico or Costa Rica for two weeks just to get back in. So it's like they made everything so bloody complicated and unnecessarily. Well, India still won't let in tourists. Bali still won't let in tourists. These are like poor countries that need tourist dollars, and people are going to starve and have starved because of that. Thailand, you need to get the shot to go in. It's like I, I can't. Yeah, think. it's hard to believe that people would accept the government sacrificing sixteen months of their lives, like, and accept it with a smile on their face. And some people are calling for more of that. It's almost incomprehensible. I yeah. really thought that America had more fight in it until like until 2020. And it completely just ruined any hopes that I had for the States, man. I thought that we had a lot more backbone, you know. Well, and where, the, the question is, where does have a backbone? Like, where is it to go? I, think, I mean, I think like that's the shittiest part about this whole thing. It's like, well, one of the shittiest parts is just the we're losing the ability to travel. Like, if you're rich enough, like you can go and quarantine for two weeks after you go somewhere. But for most people, that just eliminates that. No, it's not possible. It's not realistic for people. No, it sucks. 
people. No, and it's on purpose too. Now they're controlling movement. You know, they're controlling movement of the population. Like I, I see that as more. And call me a conspiracy theorist, but I think that all of that it's You're about power and control. But dude, that's I, that's how I see it, man. I just I I see patterns, and I'm like, I'm noticing that. I'm noticing that. You know, I mean, I notice things like this. Like, um, so countries like countries like Tanzania, actually, the president there, when uh, when the Rona stuff was was rolling out, they sent him some tests and shit, and they were trying to get him to get on board with all the lockdowns and all the you know all that kind of crap. He was the guy that started like he swabbed a goat and he swabbed yeah. a fruit and he swabbed all this crazy shit. And he sent it to him and they said, yep, it's positive. And he goes, oh, you guys are full of shit. Right. <laughs> okay. okay I- and then they killed him, dude. Then he's dead. He's dead now. <laughs> he's dead. And I'm like, that's not a coincidence. They just killed the president of Haiti. I, you know, they just said it was an American citizen that did it. Like, Tell me he's not in the CIA. Like, you know, because like Haiti has been the untouched place. Like I was watching a vice, um, a, a little vice documentary thing about Haiti and like people are still partying and dancing and have a good time. They're like, yeah, he goes, yeah, I don't know why, but the coronavirus, it just passed Haiti. Yeah. Nobody has it here. Like maybe like five people had it or something and, and people aren't wearing masks, you know? And so, what do they have to do? They had to smoke him, dude. They killed him. And, and then I think about, too, uh, the president of uh, Belarus, you remember, or whatever, pseudo dictator, whatever the hell he is. Um, he was offered like a billion dollars to get on board with the Corona stuff. And he said no. And then all of a sudden there's this groundswell around that Belichenko woman. And they're trying to say, like, she's the rightful president, you know, and I'm like, CIA coup. You know, like, I, I just see if, like, if you're not falling in line, if you're not doing what they say, then they're just taking people out, man, and they're being more blatant about it. So what's the... Thank you for f- filling me with hope for the future. You're, you're a good egg. The, 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 <laughs> the remaining question is, like, what do we... You know, what can we do? Like... Yeah. Like, I mean, you just, you're, you're just basically saying, well, we're screwed, because if anyone good gets them, they're basically off them, so, mm. you know, that's, that's the bottom line, according to what you're saying. So, what do we do about it? What, yeah. you know, yeah, because I, yeah, man, I want the white pill. I want us to, you know, and I think that... I really think that people are sick and tired of it, dude. They're over it. I can tell you that, like, in Oregon here now, finally, uh, dude, what, Tony, what, when was that? Like, last Wednesday? We just got, uh, something like that. (laughs) They let us, and now people are walking in to stores without masks, finally, for the first time. (laughs) And you know what? I don't think that these people are going to put them back on. I think they're finally sick of it. A half of them still will because this is a very progressive state, but the rest of the state is not. Mm. Well, I mean, I just like most people just seem to go along to get along. It seems like, I mean, could you really believe that people would allow this to go on for 16 months? Like, so it's kind of like, I don't know. It's just revealed how, it's just revealed how fragile a liberal order is, you know, 
we had no idea how compliant people were until it was tested. I mean, would you have thought that people would allow these things to go on for 16 months before this? No, not at all, man. If not at all. It out to you, you know, we never realized how bad it was. I mean, and even to their own detriment, though, like people that were just closing their business down, knowing that they weren't going to be able to pay, you know, their... And it's like the... the yeah. The art, artists, musicians, like stand-up comics, actors, theater performers, these people should have been out in force saying, you're killing us here. But, you know, they were sucking the dick for the regime. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it, it was just unfortunate, too. Like, the small businesses that that stayed open were just vilified and attacked. Like, uh, like, cause there were some businesses that just said, fuck you, we're staying open. Like, it, especially in the middle of the country, like in the middle of the country, uh, they were like, or in the middle of like Oregon, actually in the middle of our state, like most of those people, like Oregon, most of it, like those little tiny towns have a population of 500 people. They all know each other. They're not, they're not scared of this bullshit. They don't watch CNN. They probably watch too much Fox News, but they weren't playing with that shit. But they, the couple of weirdos would rat them out. They would get vilified and attacked. And then they had like fines out the ass, like $100,000 fines. I think that's the thing is that we're all so disconnected that that's why it was able to happen. That, you know, it's like, okay, like you could stand up and open up your business. But then what do you do? Like, when no one goes to it, or when people shut it down. And then we had riots here. Oh, dude, Portland was crazy, dude. Yeah, Portland is lost, dude. I, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, Portland's gone. It could get hit by a, an asteroid tomorrow, and I'd be okay with it. <laughs> it's a beautiful place, and Portland was wonderful. But good Lord, man. So are we, how long do you usually go in this show? Uh, we go anywhere from one to two hours generally, but like we're totally on your schedule, man. All right. Well, good. Because my schedule says I've got another appointment coming up. Okay. okay. Really, really fun. Yeah, okay. man. So I guess um, if, if those of you who have not heard me that much before or have heard me that much before were interested in my whole bit about how how much richer society would be if it wasn't for state interventions you should get a copy of my book Universal Basic Income For and Against because I talk a lot about how the government impoverishes people and how if you just got the government out of the way people would be so rich that you wouldn't even need a universal basic income in that book. So you should buy it. Hell yeah. Is there a way that you want them to buy it? Like, do you get more money if they buy it a certain way, like off your website as opposed to Amazon or yeah, most people just get it on Amazon. But if you want your copy signed, then you have to message me personally. I can post it out, but I'll, I'll have to charge you a little bit more money for that, obviously for, cause it's quite time consuming. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I will definitely leave a link for the Amazon and I'll leave a link for your website and your Twitter, all that stuff in the, in the show, in the show notes. And Anthony, dude, this was a blast. We really appreciate you. And thanks, thanks for coming you. on, man. I had, of, I had lots of fun as well. And I, <clears throat> I like talking about tacos and is it a conspiracy? And it's a shame <laughs> when you speak about these things, because especially when I'm talking about how rich people would be if it wasn't for government intervention in the economy. If you think this fucked up planet could be a bloody paradise if if people yeah. just use the truth, and it's uh, it's a shame. But we could get on, more tacos. Yeah, like you know, just think about the crazy toppings that they would create for tacos and a free market, and they'd probably open up somewhere where the desk is slightly greater in dynamic diameter as well so that even i would be less inclined to complain about that <laughs> the free market might fix the taco for anthony samaroff we need that all right yeah. if that's not a reason for the abolition of government i don't know what is <laughs> that's awesome thanks all man. right Catch thanks you man thanks,